You'll recall that we were talking about the goddess and your invitation to a masquerade party. You were invited to a party and were given the role of the goddess to personify or impersonate. And I suggested different Hollywood actresses that were elevated to the role of a goddess in the past. But it just didn't seem that they were suitable to use as a role model for your party. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli here with another episode of the Pleasure Seeking Podcast. is suitable for you to use as a role model for the party. Oh, and by the way, I did mention an icon, Gina uh, Torres, who might fit the bill. But later, I'll talk about her a bit more. When you were thinking of a role, and roles are typically imagined or conceived as being outside of ourselves, Um, Another word for a role could be a mask, but the mask is particular because it only reflects a part of you that has involved your face. But a role is slightly different. A role really means posturing. It's positioning yourself and shifting yourself in relation to others. There's also a very important thing to bear in mind uh, here concerning this. And that is that every time you shift, there is a power differential that shifts along with you. You in relation to those around you, the person or persons around you. This idea has to do very much with time and space. Because as you recall, I just mentioned that those other icons were from the past. Hollywood's great icons just didn't serve you when trying to decide what to wear. Remember, we were asked to go to the party as a goddess. There really is a time involved and space involved when making these decisions. What you decide to wear and how you move, how you move around, shifting your footing in relation to others around you. We need to bear this in mind, but put it on the shelf for now and think about another very important aspect here about this party. You are immediately put into the driver's seat and have to make decisions. You have to make decisions in relation to that party. You were given a job. But what's really, really pleasurable here is that the decision is all about fun. It's a party. It should be entertainment for enjoyment. And as I've just said, all of the images of the goddess you conjured up were passe. But let's go back a moment now and talk about Gina Torres. 
I said that she today probably impersonated one of the actresses most closely elevated to the role of a goddess. And if you scour the internet, you'll find some articles that talk about this or that mention the word goddess next to her name. All this brings up another really important idea for you. First of all, that you were given the role, a goddess, to dress up for as the part, if to, for the party. And right away you start to think, well, it's not a job. I'm not working or managing or cleaning or scouring. This should be fun. And reality sets in. Now this reality check makes you ask yourself how it can be fun for you. Where is my pleasure in all this? What happened to the notion of the party? What makes it all real for you is that it's part of a network. This means that at the party there will be other people and there'll be people that you know and others that you don't know. You will be making an impression. They will be making an impression on you. In our minds, in our minds' eyes, goddesses are very real. We know what they look like. We know what they feel like. We know what they smell like. We know how they dress and how they move. But remember those issues of time and space. We're in a different time now. What is interesting about the goddess icon, Gina Torres, is that she has the quality of what we might call a science fiction goddess. So in terms of time and space, what does that mean for you? today trying to prepare for that party. You're standing in your bedroom, in front of your closet, thinking about what to wear for this party. And on the one hand, you see all those goddesses of the past that seemed like from an ancient time in your mind. And on the other hand, you see this role model, Gina Torres, as potentially meaning something out of the future a science fiction goddess. And you think to yourself again, oh dear, that doesn't help me, does it? What am I going to do? What am I going to do today? This is the nature of the problem. So what about today? Let's talk about today. I also mentioned in my episode entitled uh, Goddess, Goddess on the Wall, that Gina's Taurus was featured in the movie Cleopatra way back when, but she was also Jessica Pearson in two different TV series. One is called Suits and one is called Pearson. So what's important to remember, and I invited you then to think about it in that episode, is that there was a way that she actually strutted her stuff. There was a way she dressed up, and away she dressed down. When we see her in scenes with her boyfriend, she takes her heels off when she greets him. And these moments I'll never forget. 
I'll never forget it when I first noticed that dressing, dressing down and her taking her heels off. But there's also something else as well that we really need to bear in mind. As I mentioned, she has the power to leave power behind. And she did just that when she left her law firm in New York in the TV series, was disbarred as a lawyer, and moved to Chicago. But for those of you who have seen Pearson, you know that she was still an influencer, as if she were the woman behind the scenes in relation to the mayor of Chicago. He called her in to help him out in very tough spots with the city's power brokers. She was still part of a network, that's why. She was in a network of barristers, of lawyers, of esquires, and she was a definite influencer from behind the scenes. She was able to see the forest instead of the trees when she assisted the mayor. In that TV series, we could say that she was a big picture goddess. And all this brings us back to that party. There's also a network around the masquerade party. We have to make you part of a network. How are we going to do that? We mentioned this network in the episode called Sisterhood. The network of women. Women may be like-minded or not like-minded, but they are there for you, even the ones who think differently from you. They are your network. You learn from people who disagree with you, and you learn from people you agree with. You position yourself somewhere along in the middle of this network in present time and space. The notion of present time and space is where you find your power in that power differential graph or space in relation to others. And what's more, the party makes you muster up your hidden superpowers, those you never knew you had. Preparation for the party has, to, has a lot to do with the superpower of shape-shifting that we'll discuss. Ladies, we are all goddesses. As, as a goddess myself, I recite an inspirational text. I recited an, inspiration, an inspirational text called The Charge of the Goddess, often used in rituals where a woman is expected to represent or embody the goddess. It is the promise that she will teach and guide other goddesses. This is my promise to you. One of the fundamental themes of this text is, that's right, you guessed it, pleasure. The charge, that it's called the charge, tells us that all acts of love and pleasure are sacred to the goddess. The opening paragraph of the charge names a collection of goddesses, some derived from Greek and Roman mythologies, others from Celtic or Arthurian legends, highlighting the belief that these figures represent a single great mother. This theme echoes the ancient Roman belief that the goddess Isis was known by 10,000 different names, but is in fact 
one universal divinity. Now, patterns of goddess-like behavior that are prevalent in modern media are historically reminiscent of mythical, myth- mythological goddesses. For example, Iris was the goddess of the rainbow and the messenger of the Olympian gods. She was a goddess of the sea and sky, since the rainbow's arc was most often seen spanning the different, different the distance between the clouds and the sea. And in myth, she appears as an errand running messenger and was usually described as a virgin goddess. But some people believe rainbows signify a new beginning. Yes, of course, this can be an unexpected turn or an omen for anyone struggling with life. This is often interpreted as a spiritual sign. They need, uh, for example, they need to break from their current path and start over again. And usually the appearance of the rainbow provides people with the needed encouragement, perhaps sent by their spirit guides, their own spirit guides. And some people who feel that they need to make a change find that the sudden appearance of a rainbow is a sure sign to make them take that leap of faith. The arrival of the rainbow delivers a flicker of hope that it is indeed possible. But if you think of it, a rainbow is an optical illusion. Hold that thought. It leads us to focusing focusing on the first of the many superpowers you didn't even know you had. Listen up, ladies. In order for you to be actually able to see a rainbow, you have to be placed in a particular position in relation to how the sun is shining. This magically opens our eyes to the vast array of goddesses that Iris's rainbow truly encompasses. What does this rainbow of goddesses include? Well, one is the Iron Maiden goddess. She's familiar to Western audiences, and this Iron Maiden maiden goddess is the symbolic equivalent of Artemis, the goal-oriented, confident, and independent goddess, the embodiment of feminist ideals, ladies. She does not need, nor does she particularly want, a man in her life. This goddess embodies an overall masculine style. She might wear a business suit and have sharp, blunt, shorter hairstyles. She's cynical often, competitive, sometimes abrasive, and mean-spirited, and often antagonistic toward men. Her viewpoints might be considered feminist or just plain bitchy. The Iron Maiden values women's rights to be equal. And the Iron, the Iron Maiden typically works in a male-dominated profession, but she achieves high status. Although she may desire romantic partners, partnership at times, she is fiercely independent and does not need a man in her life or finds romantic love 
impractical at times, or incompatible with her career ambitions and independent needs. Another of these rainbow goddesses is the femme fatale goddess. The femme fatale, the sex object, can be traced back to the goddess of love and beauty, Aphrodite. Aphrodite for Aphrodite women, power comes from their sexuality. Success is measured by beauty and sexual conquests. Superficial appearances define this lustful archetype. This goddess of love and beauty reigns over women's sexual desires and sensual pleasures and tends to flaunt an overly, outwardly, overtly sexual style. Her dress and demeanor are alluring. She's concerned with the male or female gaze and does what it takes to get that attention. The objects around her are lavish. She takes great pride in her sexual experiences and brags about her sexual exploits. Money, power, and sex are more important than love or commitment for her. And since she derives power from sexuality, she believes women should use it to get what they want. The femme fatale goddess finds pleasure in her physical appearance, and everything about her is provocative and focused on getting sexual attention. Her sexual appetite is insatiable, and she constantly wants a new conquest or sexual experience in her life. What about the child goddess in this rainbow of goddesses? The child aspect of the goddess embodies embodies the characteristics of Persephone. This goddess is the passive, compliant child who allows others to act for and upon her. She represents the girl who is waiting to be transformed and rescued by others. Persephone has a limited understanding of her strengths and desires, unlike the Iron Maiden and sex object goddesses. She is sweet, naive, and innocent. This maiden goddess, or child goddess, is eager to please She's passive and compliant, as I said. The child archetype that I more closely describe in another episode incarnates a classic to ultra-feminine style. She might be dressed in skirts and girly accessories, such as bows, ribbons, or flowers. Her hairstyle might be longer and flowing to indicate her femininity. She might wear pearls, symbolizing traditional values. White colors, light colors are always surrounding her. She is cautious. She is conventional. She seems as, as also as prim and simple. The child is portrayed as naive and immature, although sometimes she makes surprisingly profound statements, as children sometimes do. Her comments are usually silly 
or ridiculous. The child believes deeply in the romantic love of fairy tales at the expense of reality. She desires romantic love above most other goals. Her career is much less relevant in her life than love is. The mother goddess, alas, the last in this rainbow of goddesses. Finally, this mother goddess, the mother aspect of the goddess, represents Demeter, the maternal goddess. Women represented as Demeter provide material, psychological, and spiritual nourishment for those around them. What it is not necess- while it's not necessary for you to be a biological mo- mother, the roles of caregiver, supportive listener, and the sympathetic advisor are the most significant for women who embody this maternal goddess. The mother goddess is one of the most complex of all goddesses, I assure you. It's not essential for her to have born children, as I mentioned. And she's better described as an every woman. She's the center of any group or the driving force of any context. She's a seeker of psychological wellness for herself and others. Her life stories are complex in relation to the child goddess. The mother goddess is more neutral on issues as she constantly questions, contemplates, and overanalyzes the dilemmas in her own life as well in the lives of others. She performs much of the emotional work in her environment and provides emotional comfort and support for those of others and those who are around her. Let's talk a little bit about goddesses in action. There is the movie, the trilogy of the movie, The Matrix. Matrix, Matrix Reloaded, and Matrix Revolutions. This trilogy is rife with archetypal figures of the goddess, the young, sexy, and feisty trinity, which is a femme fatale goddess, or the sleek Penelope, who is queen of the underworld. She's a true Iron Maiden goddess and the all-knowing oracle, which represents the mother goddess. In the first scene of the movie, there's an opening with Trinity's voice as we see on the screen numbers running across. We understand by the scene that it's a computer simulated reality. Trinity is facing the wall behind her laptop and get, we get the impression that we're viewing a society that we live in or one that's not too far in the future. Trinity invites Neo, who's the main character, she invites him to look at the moon and they fall madly in love. When Neo and Trinity first meet, she has that uneasy feeling we all recognize. Is this real? The major arcana tarot card, called the High Priestess, is evocative of the moon 
and she too is considered a goddess. She's a goddess that, like the moon, hides things. A woman is generally likened to the energy of the moon. Of course, she's a goddess after all. We all have come to learn that goddesses play with both the visible and the invisible, what is in plain sight and what is hidden out of sight. In the movie, The Matrix, Persephone is jealous of the love between Trinity and Neo and demands a kiss from Neo to help him free the key maker. The key maker can open doors to new computer realities. And the mother-daughter roles here are reversed. In Greek mythology, Persephone, Persephone was always the daughter. Now she acts like the mother goddess, demanding love as the way out of a reality that's not filling her needs. A running theme in the movie is water as a symbol of spirituality. One of the most ancient goddesses are water goddesses, nature goddesses that need to be balanced in order to bring prosperity to all living things. Now we find balance through the magic of pleasure seeking, the joy of stepping under a shower of water for the first time to shake off any foul mood will give you that impression immediately. Water is our life breath. Drinking water cleanses our soul, knowing that we're part of a sisterhood of goddesses because it is in our veins, puts us at one with the collective consciousness. You can smile now, ladies. You are definitely not alone. going in front of our mirrors. Our mirrors and everyone's mirror has two faces. So as I was saying, not only are we never alone, we find our best friend right in front of us, staring back at us through our mirrors. This is when the fun starts because more charming superpowers come into play here. based on enhanced se senses. 
The mirror and its reflection afford us the opportunity to fine-tune our perception, both of ourselves and, more importantly, of how others perceive us. And this alone gives you a privileged vantage point and direct access to your life's amusement park. Let's see, let's see, let's see. We know that life is a challenge, and we're not denying that. It's not all fun and games, is it? We get that. One of the biggest challenges is to get an image, a perspective of ourselves and gauge it in terms of how it makes us feel rather than how we look. The fun part is that our mirror reminds us that life is truly and literally a matter of perspective. The way we look at things from two different angles and the type of mirror we use influence what is visible and what appears to be invisible. If you're not directly in front of a mirror, but view objects or people reflected through the mirror from another angle, things do seem different. It's truly magical. Now you see it, now you don't. This game we play with mirrors goes a long way um, in aiding us on the power, on the road towards self-care, which is about taking time to pamper ourselves. That was the first episode we put out here on this podcast. But it's also about fine-tuning our sense of perception, watching, listening, and being aware of certain things that we don't generally see. In a social face-to-face environment, for example, if the person who you have always looked up to suddenly challenges your trust in them, it's as if they've fallen from grace. You think they may have tricked you into taking a particular stance and did so only for their benefit. We generally become aware of it through hindsight in a face-to-face setting where we once again experience the scene as if it were in a movie. But what happens when a person you've lost faith in is the one staring back at you in the mirror? The inner conflict here can set up a situation where we're boxing with ourselves. This shadow boxing is about refining our perceptual skills in seeing and trying to hide, seeing and not wanting to see certain things from our position at a certain place and in a moment of time. A sparring match between the side of ourselves that we reveal and the side we conceal. Goddesses do not allow anyone or anything to shade their perspective or steer them away from pleasure, which is sacred to them, as we said. Even when hidden in the shadows that they they themselves create, goddesses stand in plain sight because their influence is felt despite it not being seen. The surge of feminine and female empowerment embracing the divine feminine 
is the goddess lighting a path, inspiring her sisters. Pleasure, ladies, is our pot of gold. <laughs>